when I start talking about money, people automatically think that I'm going to tell people to stop spending, right? But I think that it's more of not wasting. Welcome to the Happy Healthy Hairstylist Podcast. This is the podcast for stylists who want to work their magic behind the chair and make more money, all without sacrificing their health, both mentally and physically. I'm your host, Shelby Bancourt. So I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Misty Jane. She is a former stylist and now money coach. So she's all around an amazing person. I love her so dearly. We talked about money, how to think differently about getting out of debt, and how fitness actually changed her life and helped her with her finances. So I hope that you enjoy this podcast. Welcome, Misty Jane. I am so excited and happy to have you here on the podcast. Um, For those of you who don't know, Misty Jane is a badass. Like, I love her to pieces. We just went on a Tulum retreat together, and we are part of the High Power Academy. She has, um, she was a hairstylist for 17 years. Is that correct? That's right. That makes me feel old. (laughs) (laughs) No, not old. You're just... (laughs) You know, what do they call it? Um, seasons. Seasons. <laughs> yeah. Seasoned hairstylist. I'm like, oh, does that mean I'm spicy? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so anywho, Misty, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Misty Jane. Um, that is my middle name, by the way. Everyone thinks it's my last name, which I find funny. Um, I was behind the chair for 17 years. Um, I am now a money coach for hairstylists. So I help hairstylists get out of debt and stop living paycheck to paycheck. I am also a podcast host myself on Backroom Beauty Talks, um, and I'm just like the cheerleader for hairstylists. Like that's what it's been my new thing. Like I just want to see everyone do well and succeed. And um, yeah, that's that's who I am. I love that you call yourself a cheerleader because <laughs> that is like having support, having someone who actually just like wants to support other hairstylists is like the way that our industry has changed so much, like it's, it's like the turning point in our industry, right? Like I'm sure when you became a hairstylist 17 years ago, it was like, everyone was competing against each other. Like you can't know my secret sauce. And now like everything's like, Oh no, we support each other. If we work together, we can all grow. So I love that you say that. Well, back in the day before social media and stuff, like you're stuck in your salon, right? And like, that's all you know. And like, don't go talk to other people in other salons. Like that's a no-no, you know, where now it's like, there's people being independent and there's, you know, like everyone's looking for a community, even if they don't want to necessarily be in a salon. And I love it. I'm here for it. That's awesome. So um, I want to talk a little bit more about your money beyond the chair, because I think that that is huge and what you're doing for the industry is like it's amazing um a lot of stylists are in debt and we do live paycheck to paycheck because isn't the average salary like thirty thousand dollars or something like that so yeah i believe it's actually twenty four thousand if you look it up on google which is bullshit and i blame us as stylists for that because we all know that that is not accurate Yeah. So like, I could go on a rant about that, but I'll save it. <laughs> I mean, how can you live off of $24,000? And that's an average. So it means like people are making less than that as a hairstylist. 
Well, I, well, actually I think people are making more, but nobody's claiming it. People want to be business people, but they don't want to do business things. So, you know, if you're claiming $20,000, but you're making 40 and you go to buy a house, you have screwed yourself. So I actually am very against, you know, hiding your cash and Venmo and things like that, because at the end of the day, it screws the individual. Um, So that number makes me angry because we did it to ourselves. And then we wonder why people don't take our, our career seriously. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about it like that. Like, if you don't take your own career seriously, how do you expect other people to take it seriously? Like, I've had people come up to me and they're like, well, especially when I first started, they're like, yeah, but like, what are you going to really do for a living? And I'm like, this. (laughs) Yep. When stylists treat it like a hobby, other people will treat it like a hobby. Mm. And like one thing that I always like tell people, like even all of my stylists in my salon, I'm like, when you stop treating this like a hobby is when you're actually going to make money. Like when you come in and you prepare for your day and you know, like what clients are coming in, you prepare their formulas, you treat them, you give them an experience and you, you know, keep everything clean and tidy. Like you would at any other job. That's when you're going to get the respect. That's when you're going to make money. That's when they're going to pre-book because they're going to be like, wow, she knows what she's doing. She's so professional. I, he or she. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so some of us are he's. Um, and like, that's when you'll actually see income. And it's, it's something that's seriously a problem. And I'm so glad that there are stylists, like, well, coaches like you that can help people. Yeah. Um, so because this is like a podcast for a healthy hairstylist, I want to talk a little bit about your health, both mental and physical, because I know that you started working with a trainer, right? The, what's her name? Um, Danielle, the Yogi on Instagram. Um, her name is Danielle and she was actually a client of mine for a long time. So yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> so even though she's a yogi, I see that you're doing weightlifting. Is that yeah? So true? she is a she um, has a yoga company. She's also a CrossFit trainer and a strength trainer. So she actually kind of does all the things, which is one of the reasons why I like her so much because she like on Wednesdays that's my mobility day. Like she has me doing stretching. It's actually the day I, I like the least because I hate mobility, but she knows that I need it. <laughs> um, so it's kind of a little bit of everything. Some days I'll just weight lift. Some days she'll have me doing like a CrossFit style workout sometimes, you know, and I, I like that. It's kind of, you know, I get bored easily. <laughs> so yeah. For but, sure. And she goes with what you want, you know, like right now I want to get my squat and my deadlift back up. So that's where she's at with that. <laughs> that's cool. Um, a lot of what I teach in my coaching program is like, Hey, just because I want you to work out, doesn't mean I want you to weight lift. Like there's so many different avenues that you can take when it comes to like being healthy. And I say that with like air quotes. Um, and I like that she diversifies it. Right. Because like I've done anything from weightlifting to boxing to yoga to, you know, just cycling and we get bored. Exactly. Well, so you might not know this about me, but when I was in a commission salon um, years ago, I, oh my gosh, girl, I was eating Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, rally, like three meals a day of fast food. I 
like dabbled in working out because I like knew that you get to an age where you had to, but like you didn't want to. I think I was about 26 and um, I was always tired, always tired. Um, I also smoked a lot of weed back then. And <laughs> I, all of a sudden I was like, okay, it's time. I, I, I don't feel good. It had nothing to do with like looks or anything. Like I just don't feel good. So that is when I walked into a CrossFit gym, which I had never, you know, ever thought about doing. Um, and that was what opened me up to fitness in general. Cause it was like, oh, oh, like you can try all these things and see what you like and go from there. And that changed my life, literally changed my life. I mean, I stopped smoking weed all the time. I started eating healthy. You know, I started working out. I started feeling good, like in at work. I start, I only drink water now. I used to drink sweet tea, like constantly. I don't even, I don't remember the last time I've had sweet tea. Um, and then it like filtered into everything else in my life. I wouldn't even be where I am as a coach if it wasn't for that. Cause I, you know, I, once I realized, wow, like you can hit goals with your fitness. Cool. Like then you start going, oh my God, like I can get out of debt. Oh my God, I can do this. Oh my God, I can do that. I can open a salon, you know, whatever. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it's life-changing for real. It is. I needed you like 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it looks like you found your own version of me by going to CrossFit and by like, you know, it's funny when you do start seeing results and like, as like results as in like you start feeling better. Once you start working out, you may not see like the weight drop or you may not see like a difference in your body, but like your energy levels, that's enough to go to that next step. Like people think that you have to like dive into it, like all like, okay, now I'm going to weigh out all my food and I'm going to like, you know, compete to go on stage. But no, it's, you know, it's slowly. And I mean, yeah. or at your own pace. So sometimes uh, it's just stepping foot in the gym. Yeah. Or just yeah. hiring someone. I'm like, hire a, a personal trainer. Have yep. them show you what to do so you feel more comfortable. Or go for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. Go for a walk, like go for a run, do whatever you got to do. Exactly. I mean, cause sometimes just, you know, laying on the couch isn't going to get you anywhere. <laughs> so you make a lot of analogies to fitness. And I think that that's like amazing because I can understand when you say like, and I mean this in a way that like, you're talking about money and saving money and getting out of debt and you relate it a lot to fitness. So there was one post that you made about your Lululemons and why buying Lululemon saves you money. Can you dive into that a little bit? Yes. So I think when I start talking about money, people automatically think that I'm going to tell people to stop spending, right? But I think that it's more of not wasting. So my Lululemon post was about, for example, if I go to Walmart and I buy $20 leggings, and I have to buy them every three to six months. I have now bought $20 leggings four times, right? And they're gonna, you know, next year I'm gonna have to buy them four times again. So what are we talking here? We're talking like $80 a year. Or you can buy a pair of Lulus for $100 and they can last you seven years. So it's kind of one of those things where like you have to always look at the long term. This goes with money, this goes with fitness, this goes with your job, anything. If you keep looking at short term, you end up wasting money. You end up wasting your life. You end up, you know, time goes by a lot faster than people think. 
And I think when people think, oh, okay, we'll go back to leggings, seven years, I mean, they're, oh my God, seven years is so far away. No, it's not. <laughs> like, I mean, look at 2020. It felt like it went on forever and it flew by. Um, so it's more of a thinking long-term and, and not necessarily wasting your time or your money or, um, you know, your resources. Yeah, that's so true. And like, let's like, let's be real. I've had the same clothes and like the same style since like high school. And yes. that was, uh, 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and if you buy nicer things, like, don't get me wrong. I mean, I buy cheap stuff from time to time, but you buy the trendy cheap stuff, right? The stuff that, you know, next year you're probably not going to want to wear anyway, but the pieces like leggings, you know, you're going to wear leggings. Everyone wears leggings. Buy the hundred dollar fucking leggings. You know, you're going to wear them all the time. Like you're going to wear them for seven years. They're still going to look brand new. Buy the hundred dollar leggings. <laughs> and I mean, not, we're not sponsored by Lululemon or anything, but, but I should be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you get like a rip in them, they'll fix it or they'll give you a new pair. Like I have a fun story for you. Are you on, um, and no, I am not sponsored by Lulu, but I have been preaching them for like eight years and they really should give me a commission. Um, <laughs> um, are, there is a Facebook site called Lululemon Buy, Sell, Trade, and you can sell your used Lulu stuff on there. So when I first started my money journey, I was what I call finding money. And I was selling some old Lulu stuff that I didn't wear anymore. They have what they call unicorn pieces. I had a pair of these unicorn pieces. I had bought these leggings right after I had my son for $100. They no longer make the print anymore. People want them. Girl, I sold them used for $250 within 10 minutes. Whoa. The girl didn't even ask me if I wear underwear. <laughs> like, I was like, <laughs> people are nuts. So Lulu's are an investment. <laughs> Dang, that's so cool. I'm going to like hold on, like all of my sports bras are Lululemons. So now I'm like, I'm going to hold on to those things. <laughs> Go on Facebook. I'm telling you, it's nuts. <laughs> people that's are awesome. crazy. Um. Let's talk a little bit about um, mental health and money because we went on this retreat and we worked a lot on our mental health. Like I totally thought, I listened to your podcast about Tulum and I, like you, I thought that we were going to go on this journey and we we're going to get like spreadsheets and we we're going to learn about business. Like even my boyfriend called me and he's like, Hey, so what have you learned about business so far? I'm like, nothing. But I it's okay that, to cry. <laughs> yeah. I learned that I can cry. <laughs> and, it, and nothing's wrong with me crying. Um, so how has that changed you in coaching now? Oh man. Um, so I, you know, vulnerability is always something that I, I like, like I've all, I'm the type of person that wants to have open conversation anyway. And when it comes to coaching, I, I'm realizing that not everyone is that way. You know, so like I can sit here and talk to you and I can talk about all my hard shit, but not everyone is open to doing that. So when it comes to money, there's a lot of things that come up, whether it's stuff, you know, when they were younger, whether it's how, what they saw with their parents or, you know, mistakes that they feel they have made or shame that they feel that they have over the mistakes that they think they've made. So it's just, for me, it's important to listen and just not judge. Because at the end of the day, all those quote unquote mistakes 
or shit I did. I mean, I was horrible with money. That's why I want to help people. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. So really just holding space, listening in a non-judgmental way and really understanding where they're coming from and also helping them understand that it's okay, but it's also okay to change or it's okay to, you know, change a habit or, um, you know, it's going to open up more things for their lives. So it's definitely more mental than anything else for sure. For sure. Yeah. And even when we're younger, like we pick up habits from our family and I know that I'm guilty of this. Like I've had the shirt I'm wearing since Christmas and I love it so much that I was afraid to wear it because I'm like, I just want to save it. Like I want to save it for like a special day. And like, I get that way with nice things where I'll wear the same stained shirt over and over again because I'm like, oh, it's already stained. It's already fine. And I don't know if that's like a scarcity mindset because like I got this shirt as a gift. It's not like I paid for it, but I'm like, oh, it's nice and it's new and I want to save this. Right. I don't think that's scarcity. I mean, I do the same thing, right? Think about when you're younger. I don't know about you, but my mom would buy me school clothes, right? And then I wasn't allowed to wear them until school started because I didn't... She did not want me to mess them up, but I still, I still do that too. Like I have a pair of sneakers that I love and like, I will only wear them if I know I'm not going to step in mud. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or like just how your parents raised you with money. Like my mom was a huge spender and my dad was a saver. So like I had those like opposing things where I'm a saver and my sister's a spender. Like my sister had credit card debt, all of this. And I didn't have a credit card until I was 25 because I was afraid of credit cards. I was afraid, like I didn't have any, um, credit. My credit was shit because I didn't (laughs) even start it because I was so scared to get in debt because of all the things my dad said and seeing the way my mom was and my sister was like, it messed with me. Well, it's interesting because people either do the same or the opposite. Yeah. You know, so both of my parents were bad with money, but in very different ways. My mom would buy anything she wanted whenever she wanted on a credit card and never think twice. And then she would always tell me, if you have good credit, you can buy anything. So that's kind of what I took. That was me. I was like, oh, we can go on this vacation. We'll just throw it on the credit card. We can afford the minimum payment. Like, um, and then there was my dad who I watched all growing up living at my grandma's house, rolling pennies to get gas to go to work where he would just constantly tell me, you know, you have to save, you have to save, you have to save. But like, I looked at his life and go, I don't really want that. So I went with my mom's, <laughs> like, you know, so I, I, maybe I, maybe I have both, you know, maybe I just needed the rock bottom to switch me. You know what I mean? To kind of take a little bit of both, I guess. But it's interesting because some people see a parent that overspends, you know, and then they hoard which isn't good either, you know, like savings and stuff is great, but like you have to live, you have to enjoy life. You know, you can't just like hoard and never do anything. Um, That's not going to last long either. That's where the mental health comes in. Yeah. Like I remember growing up, my dad had uh, a Mustang in our backyard and it was like his car he bought when he was 16. He was so proud of it. But since I was born until I was 20 years old, it sat in my backyard rotting because he was so afraid to put more money into it and like actually run it 
that it rotted. Well, that's where you got your shirt thing from. Yeah. That. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And it's just like, damn, you, you could have enjoyed that. You could have, and like, he's never had a new car ever. He's a mechanic. Right. Never had something nice, never bought anything brand new. Cause he was just like, oh no, it's a waste of money, a waste of money. And like, now I'm like, no, no, no. I want my brand new car. Like right. I know it's a bad investment. So interesting. I think that there's a line too. Cause my mom also is the, you can't take it with you when you go person. Like she mm-hmm. said that my whole life. And there's a part of that that I agree with. But once I had a kid, you know, then it changes a little bit because it's like, you're right. Like I could spend all my money before I die, but then I'm leaving him with nothing. And then it turns into like a legacy situation where it's like, well, I want to teach him that when I'm gone, I can still be there for him in a different way, whether it's financially, whether it's giving him our house, what, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I think that it, I think money in general, the way you look at it, I believe changes with the time too. Like how I thought two years ago, isn't necessarily how I think now and how I think now probably isn't going to be how I think in two more years. Like we haven't started investing yet. That's next on our list. Um, so, you know, I'm still in the simple stages and that's kind of what I want to teach people is like, it doesn't have to be complicated. Like you can get to the point where like investment isn't a scary word, you know, like you have money to go put somewhere to make more money. So that's kind of, um, I want to start simple with people because it doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah. It, I mean, it's like anything, any ty- type of thing that you're trying to get into. Like, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yep. Like, exactly. You can't just go in and just open your mouth as wide as you can because nothing's going to happen. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got some skills, man. <laughs> but like simple, it, simple sounds less scary. Right. Simple is the dream. Yeah. I want to do this huge thing simply. And at the end of the day, you can with almost anything. You know, I think that the outside pressure is what ruins it. And that's one of the things I took away from Tulum is there's all this pressure to be a certain way. Right. And it's like, we think we know who we are and we think, oh, there's no pressure, but there is whether it's like hustle cult, let's talk about in the salon, you know, well, you have to double book and you have to do this and you have to do all that to be successful. And it's like, but if that doesn't feel good to you and it feels hard, like there are other ways to do things more simply that feel good to you and still make the same amount of money or, you know, and it's, it's finding the simplicity, um, in everything that you do, because it doesn't have to be hard, no matter, I don't care what anyone says, it just doesn't have to. Not saying you don't have to work at things, you know, but you can work in things that feel good and authentic to you. Yeah, and in our, I'm gonna go back to the hairdressing thing, like running your own business. When I first joined High Power Academy, it was like I was bombarded with all this information on how these other successful women run their business, and it gave me like, anxiety. I remember calling you and being like, Misty, I'm running my business completely wrong because this person's doing this and this person's doing this and I'm not doing that. But at the end of the day, I'm still a successful hairstylist. And I remember you were saying like, Hey, Shelby, your systems are working. You can tweak here and there and take, 
but don't get overloaded. Exactly. You have to cut out the outside noise and that can go for so many things. It can go for your business. It can go for, I mean, it can go for personal life. Like look at 2020, like sometimes you just got to turn off the fucking TV. You know what I mean? Like you've got to cut out the outside noise because at the end of the day, you know, it's what's in your life and what the experiences you have and the conversations you have are all that really matter. The outside doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Wow. So what would you say would be the biggest misconception about money toward like in hairstylists? <sighs> The biggest misconception, like that hairstylists feel or that people feel about hairstylists? Ooh, both. I believe that hairstylists think that they can't get their financial shit together until they make a certain amount of money, and that's bullshit. Mm. Um, I paid off $48,000 in debt, making less than $2,000 a month. Now, granted, my husband was involved too, but even him, even he had a lower paying hourly job at the time. Um, so I think that that's the biggest misconception. I believe that if you can manage a small amount of money, when you start making more money, then you're golden. Um, I don't think a number amount is going to change anything. It's just going to make for more expensive problems. Um, as far as what the outside thinks of, I just think the outside has no idea. I don't think they have any, I, I remember the first year that I made $100,000 in my business and my aunt was like mind blown, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I just think that they have no idea how lucrative of an industry the hair industry actually is um, and actually and actually can be. So that's yeah. where I'm at with that. Wow. It's, um, there's that saying like, more money, more problems, or like you get it quick, you lose it quick. And like, first off, more money, different problems. Exactly. Agreed. Yep. <laughs> if you can know how to save making $30,000 a year, then when you're making $300,000 a year, you're like, it's the same habits. Yep. You've even said it before. Um, even millionaires and billionaires have budgets. Yep. Like that's how they got there. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I like I always tell people I'm like, "Hey, like you need to have a different relationship with money. Like more money, different problems, and the more money you make, the more you can provide for people, the more you can help." Cuz at the end of the day, we're all decent human beings. Like we're all we all have people that we care about that we want to take care of. Even like unselfishly, like my goals, my, my most rewarding self, like future goal is when I buy my dad a house. Like I can't wait to buy him a house, give him his dream car and retire him. Right. Everything else that's going to come with that is going to be amazing. But when I think of my visualization of what's really going to reward me and make me feel good, what I'm working every day towards is giving him that freaking key. Right. Because when I'm making more money, I can take care of him. I can mm -hmm. take care of other people. So my mindset is not like, oh no, I want to be greedy. Because I'm making more money, I want to be less greedy. I want to exactly. give back. I want to help well, out the people I love. And if you think about it, right? So like 
in the salon, for example, like for me, once I got my financial stuff together and like I was making more money in the salon, I decided I don't want to work weekends anymore because I didn't have to. Mm. You know, I don't want to work nights anymore. I can not double book. I can take care of my clients. I can give them more time because I'm still making the money that, that I know how to manage it at home and I'm making the amount that I need to make in my business. So then that stress is gone. And God forbid you have to take off a week because you're sick or something. Oh, well, like, you know, you're fine. I think that the problem is, is, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm getting by. And I think COVID was a big eye opener for a lot of people. It's like, but are you, what if something happens? What if you just want to go on vacation? It shouldn't have to be something that's like going to completely devastate your financial situation for a year because you want to take your family to Disney world. You know, so I think that, um, I think people think too much about, you know, what they have to take away from their life and they don't think enough about what their life could look like. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like you said, it, uh, so I got, I had this habit that I'm sure most people in our industry can understand where if I was taking off a Saturday, I would work my days off to make up for that Saturday. Yes. So instead of like, even before we went to Tulum, I was like, oh my God, I have to take off a whole week. So am I going to book up the Saturday? I mean, the Sunday and Monday for three weeks before to make up those six days that I'm out of the salon. And this year was my first year that I was like, no, mm-hmm. no. And I'm- the salon didn't burn down, did it? No. <laughs> <laughs> And like you didn't lose your house, survived. did you? <laughs> like, <laughs> my clients survived. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You didn't lose 50% of your clients and 50% of your income and you could still pay your bills. Like it's, yeah, well, it's in our head, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, everything's in our head. Because telling people no is really hard in our industry. Telling people, no, I'm sorry, I'm going to go take a vacation, even though it wasn't a vacation, it was a work trip. But saying, hey, no, I'm not going to be here. And seeing that availability, it messes with you. Like Telling people no in general, I think is hard. You know, when we were getting out of debt, we were very like careful of where we spent our money. Like we would plan it a month ahead of time. And if a friend would call me and say, Hey, like, do you want to go out of town this weekend? We would say no. And it was hard, you know, but it was gone in a year and a half, two years. And after that now, yeah, what do you want to do? Let's go somewhere, you know? And it was like, it was worth it. Um, But it sucks saying no. It sucks saying no in general. You don't want to disappoint people. No, you don't. Especially if you genuinely like them. Like, right. like, I like you. I want to spend time with you. I want to give you this. Right. I, a friend of mine always says that when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else and vice versa. So mm-hmm. if you say yes to your client, yes, I'll come in on that day off because I was out of town. You're saying no to yourself. So you're, you know, you're saying no to the rest maybe that you needed when you came home or no to starting your podcast or whatever. And I really like that because it's very true. Yeah. That's like, wow, that's so useful. I like, since I came back from Tulum, I, I went in like a little like slope where I was like, okay, I'm having a hangover. Like I'm having like an emotional hangover. And I found that there was one day in particular that 
I said yes to everything. Like someone was like, Hey, you want to go work out here? You want to go do this? You want to go do that? You want to have dinner with me? Let's catch up and do this. And I said, yes, yes, yes. And then I was like, Oh my God, I didn't get anything done. I didn't start my podcast this week because I said yes to this. And like, I felt bad where now I'm like, Oh no, I can't say yes to every opportunity. They all sound great. But now I have to start saying no so I can do what I actually want to do. Mm -hmm. Because when you're surrounded by people, how can you think about your business? Your like any, like most successful people, they spend a lot of time alone because that's when they get their good ideas. That's when they like get their realizations and they like, you know, that's, that's our time to reflect. Right. And when you're feeling a certain way and people are asking for your attention, it's hard to say no. It's hard to be like, no, I don't want to hang out with you because I have to be in touch with my feelings. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because I got to listen to what the the stories in my head are saying. Like, right. And I'm sure when you're in debt, you're unhappy with your life, with the situation, with the choices you've made to put you there or what has happened in your life to get you there. Or it's not even unhappiness. You just don't think the things that you really want are possible. Mm. You know, you're hopeless. Like I remember when we were living in a small townhouse and the neighborhood we live in now, like I always, my house is like my story because we grew up, my husband and I grew up in the same area and we, this was the neighborhood that like quote unquote, it's not super crazy fancy by any means, but this is where our quote unquote friends with money lived. Right. And we always loved this neighborhood. It has like great trees and like just big yards and like the, the two, the middle school and the elementary school are in the neighborhood, very suburbs, like, you know, very family neighborhood. And we just, my husband and I were like, we picked the wrong career. We can never live here. We would literally drive around and say that. And then not joking, eight months after we paid our debt off, we bought this house in this neighborhood. And it, I still want to cry when I think about it. And we're not house poor. We've been here now for two years. Not only are we not house poor, but I was able to quit doing hair to pursue coaching people to be able to feel the way that I feel and live on one income for, you know, hopefully only a short time. And like, it's, it's cool. And I think that when people say, I want to get out of debt, they don't think about that part. They just think, I don't want these bills anymore. I don't want to see this number anymore, you know? But it's like, you you don't understand that you can feel a certain way if that number is gone, you know? Like, you, if that number is gone, if you're paying $1,000 a month to pay off your debts, what if that $1,000 was in your pocket? What could you do with it? Yeah. How did that be? Right. Exactly. That's what people forget. I mean, would you give it away? Would you save it? Would you put it towards a mortgage? Would you, you know, would you buy a car? Like whatever. And it's like, I just want people to think about that. You know, like what could you do if you didn't have those bills? Yeah. (laughs) I like that. This is like, this is really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Am I coaching right now? (laughs) You are. (laughs) I appreciate it so much. Oh, what would happen if I didn't have this bill? (laughs) Right. It's crazy. It's crazy when you go to do your bills and you have like your rent or your mortgage, your utilities, and that's it. Yeah. You know, it's like, cool. Well, this is, this is nuts. 
you know, like, <laughs> and then say you want to go buy a couch, you know, it's like, you just have the, like, you can just maybe save for three months and you have it and it's yours. And God forbid COVID hit and you lost everything. You could sell the couch for money. You could sell your car for money because you don't owe anything on it. You can sell your Lululemons for money because you don't, you're not paying off the credit card. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah. Don't, I mean, I could rant about money all day. <laughs> I mean, money, like people think that money is scarce and it's not there. Money doesn't even, money doesn't even exist. Right. It, it it's fake. It's right. a piece of paper and a number on like a bank account. Right. So but we need it. So it's weird. <laughs> yeah. We need it. And we feel like it, it's not available to us for some reason. Right. It's available to us. Like yep. we just need to figure out how we can have a better relationship with it and how we can like, I listened to this girl and she was like, honey, it's not that you have a, a spending problem. It's that you have an earning problem. And I'm sure that you like disagree on some levels with that, but it made me think differently. I'm like, Oh no, that can be true. Like if you can't, like, it's not that you can't, we always say Josh and I, um, it's not that it's too expensive is that we can't afford it right now. Right. I like that. Yep. Like when we think of a car or a house or whatever that we want, we're like, that's not too expensive. We just can't afford that at the moment. Right. Exactly. Well, at the end of the day, isn't that kind of manifesting, right? Yes. You know, thinking about the thing that you want and then just doing whatever you need to do to get towards it. Yeah. Well, and when it comes to money too, it's like, Nobody wants to make money to look at a bunch of numbers on a bank statement. People make money because they want to feel a certain way. You know, they want to feel secure. You know, you don't want to buy your dad a house and a car to see him standing in front of a house. Like you want the feeling that it's going to give you to be able to do that. And I think that that's what people forget when it comes to money too, is like, how do you want to feel, you know, like, I want to feel, I want to be able to go on vacation a couple times a year. You know, I want to go to all the retreats and do all the things I don't care about. I, I'll drive my 2012 Tacoma until the wheels fall off. You know what I mean? But I want to be able to travel and, you know, so it's all on like, what is it that, you know, unfortunately you need money to feel certain ways. You know, you need money to feel secure. You need money to have, you know, certain things that you want. So it's like, what do you want to feel? How much money do you need to even feel that way? Because it might not be as much as you think. Yeah. You know, and then kind of work backwards from there. Yeah. When's the last time you like figured out how much these things cost you? Exactly. Like when's the last time you figured out, okay, if I want this car, how much does it cost monthly? And actually no, like it may take one phone call. Right. Just take the damn call. Exactly. <laughs> Just figure it out. Google it. Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Misty, how can someone work one-on-one -on -one with you? So you can go – I live on Instagram, basically. Um, so I'm at Instagram underscore Misty Jane underscore, and there is a Y in the Jane. Um, there's an application on my Instagram. I do not have a sales page for that just yet. So the application is on my Instagram link in bio. Um, and then you can go to www.mistyjane.com and that is where the group coaching is. That is for a little bit more of a self-motivated, um, stylist. 
who, you know, wants a little bit of support from others as well. Maybe it doesn't want to feel quite as alone and just needs a little accountability. But if somebody really has some serious money blocks, one-on-one is the way to go for sure. Um, We work together for three months, um, two calls a month for three months. You do get access to Money Beyond the Chair as well. um, And you get access to me Monday through Friday. So if you're just having a day and you just want to freaking add to cart all day long, you know, you can shoot me a message and I can kind of talk you off the ledge if you know it's an emotional spend. Um, so yeah, or you can email me and we can chat at mistyjane at mistyjane.com. So basically Misty Jane everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I love it. Exactly. Um, and like with the one-on-one, like they're not alone. They're with you. Like they have the best coach ever to help them. Someone who's actually been through what they're going through and like you're an awesome person and you just want to help and you want to be their freaking cheerleader. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, also check out Misty's podcast, Backroom Beauty Talks. I listen to it religiously. I love it every time you drop an episode because I just love to hear your voice and your laugh. <laughs> well, you're going to love the next uh, couple months because it's all the Tulum girls. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so excited. Well, thank you so much, Misty. I appreciate you so much. It was so great talking to you and seeing your face. Thank you, Shelby. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on Misty and I talking about all things hair, fitness, and money. Subscribe to this podcast and give it a share on all social medias. You can tag myself at shelby.bettencourt or Misty at underscore Misty Jane underscore. And as always, share love, aspire to inspire, and I'll see you next time.